This episode is brought to you by Forney Industries, official sponsor of Faction 46 and Nice Motorsports Truck Series teams. Forney offers versatile welding and plasma cutting machines, along with a full line of metalworking accessories for beginners, do-it-yourselfers, and professionals. Forney has everything you need for your next metalworking project. Shop for these top-of-the-line products at ForneyIND.com, that's F-O-R-N-E-Y-I-N-D.com, or at an authorized Forney dealer near you. Hey there, NASCAR fans. Have you got your copy of the latest edition of NASCAR Pole Position Print Magazine? If not, there's no better time than now to subscribe at PolePositionMag.com. NASCAR Pole Position is the only print magazine covering NASCAR. Officially licensed by NASCAR, NASCAR Pole Position Magazine is published throughout the NASCAR season, and each edition is an instant collector's item, backed with great feature stories and photography. The magazine is even mailed to you in a poly bag for those who love to collect NASCAR memorabilia. At PolePositionMag.com, you can even find past issues available to purchase. Get your subscription to NASCAR Pole Position and get great NASCAR content delivered straight to your mailbox throughout the season. Learn more at PolePositionMag.com. That's PolePositionMag.com. Hey y'all, Rick Houston here, and I want to tell you about my new show, the Moonshine and Motorsports Racing Podcast. I've partnered up with the state of North Carolina Department of Natural and Cultural Resources to help uncover the history behind moonshining mountain boys, professional wheelmen, and the backwoods and city lights of the Tar Heel State. In the first episode, I sat down with Winston Kelly at the NASCAR Hall of Fame for a little behind-the-scenes gossip about Junior Johnson's engineering skills. He's got two things in his hand, pipe wrench and channel lock pliers, and they weren't new. They yeah. had been, they had been yeah. around the block a time or two. What's so, the first deal they built, I bet? No, no, you know, you could, I think they were, they had, the, the pliers had been red before, but paint had worn off. And in the second episode, I talked to a professional hillbilly, a.k.a. Dr. Daniel Pierce of UNC Asheville, to find out the real history of moonshiners and their battles with the revenuers. He wrote about one of his experience of trying to chase down this uh, this bootlegger and this this souped-up car, and he, he complained that the government gave him these piece-of-crap, cheapo cars and that, that were really no match, but he thought he was doing pretty good. And then the guy just hits it and just takes off and practically disappeared. But then the guy makes a bootleg turn uh, and comes back towards him. And it, it, as he said, it was a game of chicken and I was the chicken. And so he ran off the road. And actually he was the guy who, who caught Junior Johnson at his daddy's steal when Junior got tangled up in a, in a barbed wire fence. <laughs> So check out the Moonshine and Motorsports Racing Podcast available on YouTube, DailyDownForce.com, and all of your favorite podcasting platforms. And be sure to check out my regular show on NASCAR history, the Scene Bought Podcast. folks and welcome back into next gen creators highlighting the next generation of nascar content creators the daily downforce podcast featuring yours truly 
Joshua Lepowski. And today we have a brand new episode for you. We have Ellie Productions, Connor Hudson on with us today on the show. Connor is uh, he has an interesting story on YouTube. He started a very long time ago. He used to create NASCAR stop motions, but uh, he has created some really incredible content, some really incredible video essays in recent uh, years. Uh, particularly, you look back, he had a video about Daryl Waltrip. He had a video of him watching F1 that really blew up and uh, has just a lot of really cool videos out there um, about just NASCAR in general. He recently also made a video talking about NASCAR reinventing itself uh, in light of what happened at the Chicago street race. Uh, talk about a guy that really has some really cool content out there. And uh, in this interview, he he talk, talks really in depth kind of about his story as a content creator. He talks about growing up as someone not in a uh, area that was known for NASCAR, but yet he loved NASCAR anyway, kind of how he got into NASCAR YouTube. And he also talked a lot about what it takes to be successful as a YouTuber in general. You don't want to miss that part. We discuss, we go at length about that, about how much it really takes to really be successful as a YouTuber, just in general, even regardless of it being a NASCAR YouTuber. It's very interesting to hear his thoughts and his comments about a lot of those things because he practices what he preaches. He he had to handle a lot of those very things that he is talking about. So without further ado, here is the next episode of Next Gen Creators with Ellie Productions. And now, folks, it is time to welcome in Connor Hudson, Ellie Productions, into Next Gen Creators. Once again, Joshua Lepowski here with you. So, Connor, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. I'm excited. It's this my first podcast since like years ago when I hosted one and it, nobody ever watched it. So this is exciting. I'm happy to be here. What was this podcast about? Because I don't think I when I was researching you, I didn't hear of a podcast featuring Ellie Productions. Tell me about this podcast you had. It was called the NASCAR Summer Prediction Show, and it was okay. when I was still using my little tiny school laptop to make videos and stuff. And I guess one of the big things I remember about it is that I had a lot of uh, my YouTube friends on it, one of them being Raja Karuth back before he was driving race cars. So, oh, Raja cool Karuth. Back. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's pretty incredible, dude. Man, I didn't know. So so you so you you've been around a little bit when it comes to podcasts then, I guess I take it. Oh yeah. I'm an elder <laughs> statesman. <laughs> All right, that makes sense. What 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 time frame was this out of curiosity? I want to say 2016, I think. Okay. All right. So that was when podcasts started becoming cool amongst everybody. So exactly. I had to get yes. in on it. <laughs> we all did, I guess, at that point in time. So anyway, Connor, uh, super great to have you here on the show here today. So, you know, Connor, you're you're a guy that's been on YouTube for uh, quite a long time. You have videos going back, I think, back into the early 2010s. So, uh, you know, just give me an idea of, you know, what made you want to start doing YouTube? Well, I, you know, I think that's kind of the dream of every kid is, you know, especially when YouTube started gaining popularity. Um, you just wanted to be on YouTube. You wanted to be YouTube famous. And so, uh, when I was younger, I just really wanted to make videos. I wanted to be like all these people I was watching. And I remember in particular one night, and this was back when the internet was still kind of the wild, wild West. And so my parents really did not want me on YouTube, but I went on there anyways, cause they had a lot of videos I liked, particularly NASCAR stuff. And one night I was just watching through like crash compilations or highlights or whatnot. And I saw this one video that had a crash that I didn't recognize, but it looked really big. And it also involved my favorite driver, Tony Stewart. So I was like, hmm, what's this? And I clicked on it and I come to find that that's not actually a NASCAR race. That's a stop motion by Aflac Cup Series. The I, I want to say it's the season two FedEx 400. I remember the video. 
And when I found out that the dude was literally making, you know, NASCAR races with his die casts, I just thought that was the coolest damn thing on the planet. And so I knew that I had to start doing it. Um, I made a channel with one of my friends when I was like eight years old, we did Roblox videos. Um, but then after a while, um, he wanted the channel back. And so I had to create a new one still behind the backs of my parents. Um, so I figured if I did it at my friend's house, then it wouldn't be a problem. Um, and so me and my friend created Ellie productions after a while, um, he kind of split from it. And so then it was just my channel, uh, to do whatever I wanted with. And, uh, it was mainly stop motions. That was the main big thing that got me into doing YouTube videos. So this was all behind your parents' back. You were doing a little bit of espionage YouTube here, I guess, if that's a thing. A little bit, a little bit. I, <laughs> I, I'm still very thankful that they, ne they never actually grounded me or anything for going on YouTube, despite them telling me not to. Um, they've, they let me keep my channel. So I guess I, I owe a lot to them. How did they find out about this YouTube channel? I probably just started talking about it. I was so excited about it. When I started making, you know, terrible garbage stop motions, man, I was just over the moon about these things. And so I probably just had a big mouth and started talking about it too much. And I do remember one day where I was watching videos while my dad was literally right around the corner. And I think I had the volume up too high on one of them. And just the loudest curse word I have ever heard in my life just gets spewed from my computer. This is back when I was like 10 years old. I don't, I don't think my dad was too happy about that, but um, yeah, somehow I made it work. I think we can all relate to that in some regard. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you'd, YouTube was, was, was a new thing, you know, back in those days when we, when you and I were growing up, like YouTube was, uh, you know, it was new. It was, it wasn't as, uh, I, I guess, corporate friendly as it is nowadays. You know, YouTube was back in that day was just people posting whatever the heck they wanted. And so oh, yeah. it was just a totally different, you know, I, you described it as the wild, wild west. That's a really good way to describe it. Cause that's kind of how YouTube, and that's just kind of how the internet was in those days. Yeah. There was no YouTube kids back then. Yeah, that's for darn sure. There was yeah. no YouTube, <laughs> no filters, no nothing. Whatever you found, you got 100% all of it uh, in every sense of the word. So you know, throughout this time frame, you know, you mentioned how Tony Stewart was your favorite driver and you, it seems like became a NASCAR fan then a little bit before you were in YouTube. So how did you get, how'd you get into NASCAR? Disney Pixar's cars. I think like a lot of kids from my generation, that movie uh, more or less dictated the course of my life because it both got me into film, which is what I'm studying in college right now. And it also got me into NASCAR. Um, so, you know, I loved lightning McQueen when I was younger and, uh, when I was at the store, I think I'm trying to remember again, I was like four, five years old at this point. Um, but you know, the, the little cars, like the little die casts of lightning McQueen, they would sell, they were kind of orangish. And so I think one day when I was at the store, I saw the Tony Stewart home Depot car. And I was like, that's my guy. Like, I like that guy now. And I started watching NASCAR races and I found out that this whole racing thing was real with real, actual, colorful cars. Um, and I think uh, around 2007, 2008 was when I started watching my very first races. Um, actually, yeah, 2008 was the big first one. I remember I had all the little die casts. We had a NASCAR themed birthday party. Um, and the first race I ever went to um, which weird, it's weird looking back because it is listed as possibly the worst race of the modern era. I, my first NASCAR race was the 2008 Brickyard 400. I have the flag like hanging on my wall. Really? Wow. Yeah. It, it's kind of crazy looking back how it all worked out. Um, I just love NASCAR. And I guess the funny thing about that race is that, you know, you think a kid going to his first race, absolutely pumped. You'd think I'd be in for the whole deal. 
well, there's a picture of me and my sisters all with our heads down at a picnic table sleeping. We slept through two hours of that race. It was so bad. Like the tire blowouts were just absolutely egregious. And I think my mom told me at some point, Kyle Bush walked by, she got to say hi to him. And I just never even saw him because I was just sleeping the whole time. Well, that's, uh, again, you know, every NASCAR race is a good experience, but that's kind of an unfortunate first NASCAR race, I guess some would say the 2008 Brickyard 400. So what, 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 let's ask this question. Let's, let's go to a better memory. What was the first, um, I guess you could say, uh, legitimate NASCAR race that you went to that wasn't <laughs> competition cautions every 10 laps? Probably I went a few, we went to the Las Vegas race in 2010. Um, that race where Jeff Gordon just dominated, but then Jimmy Johnson swept in at the end and took it. Um, that was, you know, I remember a lot about that one. That one was a, it was an all right race. It was still in the COT era. And you know, I was a kid, you know, it was hard to keep my attention for three plus hours. Um, yeah. I, I think, uh, it'd be better to talk about cause my third race that I ever went to was actually seven years after that. Oh, um, wow. in 2017. Yeah. I, I have not been to a lot of NASCAR races for being as big a fan as I am. Um, but the, in 2017, me and my dad took a road trip to Kansas uh, to go watch the race there. And that had to have been one of the greatest experiences of my life because, uh, we got to walk around the grandstands and as we were walking near the track, we didn't have pit passes, so we couldn't go down there. But then this couple that had already been and made the rounds all the way through there, they just gave us their passes. And so we got to, you know, for free, go walk around the infield and go see all the cars and the teams and stuff. And, uh, as for the race itself, it was a lot of fun. There was some overtimes, uh, Eric Amarola, that crash, like seeing that in person was, I, I cannot emphasize how enough, how fast he was going when he hit those other cars in the corner and, uh, he had to be airlifted to the hospital. So that was pretty scary. Um, but the silver lining to it all was that my favorite driver, Martin Truex got to win the race, his first Kansas win and, uh, and his championship season too. I mean, it was just a spectacular race to go to. Wow, that had to be pretty cool. I mean, so you haven't been to that many NASCAR races. Are you are, are you out of curiosity? Because I'm I'm from Indiana originally. Are you from the Indianapolis area because you went to the Brickyard 400 or is that not your are you not from there? No, my family, a lot of my family hails from Ohio. So okay. when we went to the Speedway, we also tried to like do some family reunion type stuff and go visit the farm and whatnot. Um, I'm actually from Colorado. So that's, another, oh, wow. that, that's another thing that kind of makes me a unicorn is that, you know, I'm, I'm from a place where there really is no racing at all. Yeah, you're right. Colorado's not really there. There really is no race in there. I think the most recent racetrack in Colorado was uh, Pikes Peak, I think is probably the most recent one that the Xfinity series. Then it was the Bush series race at IndyCar race there a little bit. So, yeah, I can understand that. Yeah. Colorado, not not a not a big uh, not a big motorsports hub. So, yeah, you 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 definitely definitely becoming a NASCAR fan in Colorado uh, is uh, is 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 not super common, but that's pretty cool though, that you were able to become an NASCAR fan, even though you're from that part of the country. Yeah. I, I've always kind of been known like in circles at school as just the NASCAR guy, which I think is kind of cool. Like I'm literally the only one that follows the sport. Um, I've met a few people around like just every now and again, you'll see somebody with a jacket or especially when, you know, furniture row is doing their thing. You know, occasionally I'd see a, another true X fan and that was pretty cool. But overall it's like, there, there is no racing out here at all. Like you got to go, you got to go to like Colorado national, or like you said, Pike's peak, uh, to even find it. And Pike's peak, they haven't had a NASCAR race in almost 25 years. And 
an actual like genuine race race in like, I want to say like 10 years, they've just been doing uh, a lot of festivals and some admittedly cool stuff. Like I've gotten to see a lot of the, uh, festivals and, uh, um, uh, uh, one particular project I got to work on with them. That's really cool. Um, but they just haven't had a lot of racing there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you, so you're, you're not, you're not close to any sort of racing at all. So that had to be a little bit, you know, so, I mean, was that a little bit, what was, did that feel a little bit, I guess, rebellious for lack of a better term, being a NASCAR fan, or did you, did you kind of like being that contrarian as a NASCAR fan during that day and age? I really did like being, I, I think I used to not like it because as a kid, you want to, you know, you want to talk about these things with your friends and, uh, um, you know, you want to be able to share this with them. And even as I grow older, uh, occasionally I'll have moments where I'll just completely geek out about something about the sport. Like I'll tell a story about Dale Earnhardt or Wendell Scott or, you know, something that just totally, you know, makes me excited. But, um, as I grew older, I kind of grew to appreciate it because, um, it's like, it's just something for me. You know, I, 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 when I got older, I started to learn more about other sports and more about what other people are into lots of video game stuff. And so, you know, and, and movies also film is a big part of, uh, you know, what we talk about me and my friends. Um, so, you know, I can still talk about things with them. I can still talk things that we all like, but there's just this one big thing that I really like that, you know, it's kind of just my thing. And, um, it's also a unique challenge with some of my new videos because, you know, some of my friends at film school have been telling me like, you know, I, I couldn't give a rat's ass about NASCAR, but these videos are actually like, you know, they're actually kind of interesting. And that's, that's kind of the big goal is to get, uh, more people interested in the sport. So you're in, in, and so you're in film school. So where, where did that love of film kind of come about? I know we're, we're jumping around a lot of places here, but you know, there's a lot of things that are, it seems like there are a lot of things that are kind of coming together in making your YouTube channel. You have this interest in a sport and you also have this, this, this film base that you're kind of developing. And, and I've noticed in your videos that that film base is a very big influence in how your videos are created. So where did that film desire for film kind of come from? It's interesting. I think, you know, I started making YouTube videos out of a, mainly out of a love for NASCAR because I wanted to make stop motions. I'd love the sport. I just wanted to make videos about it. Um, but I think my, you know, my parents interpreted that more as me wanting to be a filmmaker and me wanting to be an animator something like that. Um, and so they, you know, when I went to, you know, basketball camp and couldn't make a single shot, they were like, okay, this kid should probably be doing something else. Um, and so they kind of, you know, ushered me in the direction of like film camps. Like I remember I took this, uh, camp at a Apple store a couple of years ago and, um, I really enjoyed that. And then, um, I think, uh, her name was, uh, Miss Pearson. There's a, a lady named Miss Pearson who I took a summer camp with a film summer camp and absolutely loved it. Um, and, and those were like kind of the first like summer camps that I really, really enjoyed. Like I, I liked hanging with my friends and doing the other ones like baseball and soccer and whatnot, but film just, it felt good. Like I felt like, and I already felt like I kind of knew something of what I was doing because I had already used cameras for YouTube and I already, I already uploaded videos and stuff. So, um, you know, it just felt right. Like I just felt like I knew what I was doing and, um, it was a lot of fun. It's one of those moments in life where you just you you find the thing that you're good at, you know, I mean, yeah. and I'm sure everybody can relate to that at that one point in my life. I know personally, like when I found 
when I found like broadcasting and media and stuff like this, like that's when I began to have that feeling of finding something that I that I really could would should be doing. So that had to be a really cool moment for you, especially because a lot of people at that age don't oftentimes find that at that that young age of their life. Yeah, it was a look looking back. It is very I'm very, very lucky that uh, all that came together in the way that it did. Mm-hmm. And a lot of great things definitely did come together. So, you know, during this this sort of time frame, you know, as you were, you know, tr- try to connect the dots for me here about like where kind of film and your YouTube channel and NASCAR, how that all really started to come together. Because like I said, there's a in your YouTube channel, you have all the stop motions and stuff like that. But there's a definite shift in your content in the last couple of years as you start to do, you know, more, you know, of this like mini document. I don't know. I don't even know if I want to call it mini documentary, but I guess it's best to describe it style like NASCAR videos that you've made, you know, has has that, you know, where did those principles kind of start to come together for you as you were starting to go to film school so there is a lot of time timeline to cover here because i am old i've been around for a while so i'm this may take a minute but um, fill in the whole timeline man we're we're, we're, go go full avengers on me the entire ellie productions timeline here we go um so you know i obviously stop motions were the first thing i like to do and uh it was so bad. I, I won't, you know, anybody who's listening, do not go back and watch my old videos. I keep them up because I'm sentimental, um, but oh my God, they're terrible. And to give you just an, an idea of how bad I was at it, despite really loving it, um, to do stop motion, I would take pictures on my parents' like picture camera. And then I had another camera for video that I would line up to view the screen of other said camera. And instead of like uploading the pictures and just, you know, having them being like a little slideshow on the computer, I would toggle through them on the cameras, you know, like viewing mode where you could look at the uh, look at the pictures. And that was just how I made stop motions. They were just, oh, God, they were terrible. Like I (laughs) looking back, I can't believe I did that. Like I I can't even imagine there was a day that I found out how to edit. And that was like the greatest revelation of my life, because now I suddenly I can make things that didn't look absolutely terrible. Um, so for a few years, it was, you know, when you're younger, it's just kind of about making what you want. You know, I made stop motion videos and, uh, you know, when me and my friends would hang out, we'd, you know, make little videos and, uh, sometimes gaming. Sometimes I, I had this whole elaborate plan with my friends to make a Ellie gaming channel. Uh, that never really came together. Um, and there was just, you know, a lot of stuff that I was making as I was getting older, um, especially in high school you know, I realized I don't really have as much time to do this. And so, you know, maybe a stop motion every now and again, I would upload, but beyond that, that was about it. Uh, I just didn't have the time. I was busy in marching band and doing high school things. And, uh, so I'd say the most, the biggest, uh, impact time for this channel came in 2020 and, you know, don't get me wrong. 2020 was terrible, but the one silver lining for me was that it gave me a chance to work on videos again. Um, you know, one month I was sitting there, planning on asking a girl to prom and, you know, planning on walking across the stage and grabbing my certificate and whatnot. And then the next month I'm literally like mapping out this whole new stop motion series, this whole new video plan. I think there was one point where I made like six videos in five days. I was so involved because there's just nothing else to do. And I, I, you know, 2020 again, it sucked. It was a terrible, terrible time, but if it didn't happen, I don't, I don't know that I'm still doing this, you know, high school kind of took a lot of wind out of my sails. And, uh, so, um, you know, as I started doing more and more stop motions, I think I realized that, you know, I'm, I'm getting a little old for this, you know, playing with cars is fun, but I think I've moved past this. Um, and I'd also happen to get into 
a lot of uh, slap shoes content. Like I would literally watch his videos all the time while I was making videos. And I've always been a fan of Eric Estep. I, I remember I literally um, watched his videos when he was still making like sketch comedies with his friend, Mark. Like I still remember those days. I remember when the first season of the double E cup series was new and I would yeah. like show it to my dad. Oh yeah. I remember I, I, I watched those videos too. Trust me. I, I, oh, yeah. I watched them. So I've been there. I wonder how Eric feels about the fact that we still remember those days. <laughs> As I was to say, I want to, I, I gotta wonder about that. I do. Um, yeah. So, um, I think I took a lot of inspiration from them and I started, uh, kind of dabbling into uh video essay stuff. I made a video about the double yellow line and why it's terrible. Um, that one went pretty well. I, I think that video is still pretty good. I made one about weird racing sponsorships that took off long after, but, uh, I still think was pretty good. Uh, a big video for me that was weird that it was so big. I never quite put two and two together was the formula one reaction video that just absolutely blew up. And I, I actually, it was so popular that I, I had legal threatened uh, or legal action threatened on me by formula one because I used some footage of their races. Um, so I had to cut out a whole segment of the video, but that thing's almost a million views. Like I have never gotten that many views on a video before. And so as for this current age of content, um, I think this is kind of where all of that experience and all that, you know, all those trials and tribulations and figuring out what people watch. Um, that's where all this kind of comes together. Cause I feel like, uh, you know, the NASCAR YouTube community, there's a lot of very talented people and a lot of very enthusiastic people, people who like me are very passionate about the sport. And, uh, you know, they like that. It's, you know, not the most popular thing. They like the challenge of trying to bring it to more and more people. And, um, but I think a lot of people emphasize quantity over quality. And I think that was a big problem that I noticed for a long time is that, you know, I loved slap shoes videos, but you know, they only come out once every couple months. And meanwhile, you know, there are people uploading videos every single day, but sometimes they're just kind of hard to stomach. Like when you want to watch a good video essay, um, it's really not a video essay. It's just kind of thoughts and opinions. And so I kind of wanted to fill that gap of like, I want to make the kind of stuff that slap shoes and emblem and make, but on like more of a bi-weekly basis, you know, my videos, I'll, I'll never even hold a candle to either of those guys, but, um, I just wanted to make something that would last that people could watch. And then maybe, you know, a week or two later, watch again and still have the same enjoyment out of it. Um, and so that's kind of where this current wave of content has come from. Just, uh, a lot of experience over the years and, um, just new aspirations. Yeah. And, and you can definitely notice that with your content that you watch is that, you know, the content is very, it's very rewatchable, you know, if that makes sense, you know, you can watch it back and kind of hear, you know, some of those same points and, and, and enjoy it just the same way that you did kind of the first one. And, and, you know, it's, it is cool to look at your channel and to see kind of like how everything really just kind of changed, you know, very quickly kind of over that time frame. And, you know, I mean, that's, that's how a lot of, that's how content creators are able to have success on this platform is, is if they're able to evolve. Yeah. I, I can't say that I've ever seen anybody become successful by doing the same thing as somebody else. Like you always got to change something up. And, um, I think that was my problem for the longest time is that, you know, making stop motions is cool and making memes is cool and you know, all this stuff, yada, yada, but I wasn't really doing anything different. There was nothing making me stand out from everybody else. Um, and so I, I decided, you know, like I just talked about, you know, making videos that will stand the test of time that aren't just, you know, passing fads that could actually, you know, be watched years down the line and still have the same 
you know, get the same enjoyment out of it. Um, that's kind of where I swung for the fences and, uh, it's, it's worked pretty well. Some of it's worked, some of it hasn't, but you know, we're still working. Well, I mean, and, and in a lot of ways, YouTube is a bit of a trial and error business in some ways. You mentioned some stuff works, some stuff doesn't. YouTube is a lot of trial and error in a lot of ways just because, I mean, you know, I mean, it's Eric and I talked about it in the first episode of this podcast. There is no blueprint for how to be successful on YouTube or on whatever content creation platform you can have, Twitch, social media, whatever, what have you. There's no blueprint. And that can be something that's both very exciting and a good challenge to a lot of people, but it can also be very scary to a lot of people as well, because it's hard to kind of have that blueprint for kind of where to go. But but you kind of had your blueprint with some of those influences, such as Slap Shoes and Eric and all those people that kind of gave you that um, blueprint to success. I don't know if I want to say blueprint to success, but gave you an example for kind of like what to look for kind of in your videos. Yeah, um, it, it just came from watching their videos and seeing how the community reacted. Cause I, I, you know, usually documentary style content, um, that kind of stuff, or, or even just content covering the sport. I mean, that's either from NASCAR or it costs money or it's on TV. It's kind of, you know, it's, it's accessible. It's just not readily available right there. Um, and so when they started getting more and more popular and obviously YouTube kept getting more and more popular, it, it was like this unprecedented access to the sport, um, where slap shoes had these videos that were very informative um, talking about stories that, you know, even I, as a NASCAR fan, had never really heard of. Um, and Eric Estep, I, I love, you know, obviously he does out of the groove. I love that show, but I love, love, love his race day vlogs and how he takes, you know, people around the infield and will take, you know, film the hall of fame or film like the Georgia stock car hall of fame and have Bill Elliott give a little bit of a tour. I mean, that is unprecedented access to the sport. And to think that those videos are free to view on the internet, that is that's just a level of access that is so crazy. And I think is had a huge impact on the way some fans view NASCAR. Yeah. I mean, I have to agree a lot with, with, with the Eric Atchat vlogs, because I mean, it's just those types of videos offer kind of a level of access to a track that you might not normally know, or that you might not have gone to or anything like that. It's a good way to just show you kind of some experiences from different racetracks and kind of like what they offer. And, you know, I mean, you mentioned slap shoes. I mean, I notice a lot of slap shoes inspiration in your content and the fact that, you know, your content, you know, your content obviously has its own spin on it that like slap that then slap shoes. But, you know, your your genre of content is very similar to what he does, kind of like these video essay kind of type things, telling these stories or or, or things like that. Um, And, you know, you have a lot of those. And I think, you know, in, in my eyes, I think that the video that really exemplifies this really well is your video you made uh, just a couple of weeks ago, NASCAR reinventing itself. You know, that's that's kind of one of those topics in NASCAR that, you know, you know, I think everyone kind of thinks it, but I don't think I see it said a whole ton. You know, that idea of NASCAR kind of reinventing itself in a different way than it has been, you know, and and it's all about really finding those topics. And, and that's really a lot of times the best talking points are typically what make the most popular videos. Yeah. Big time. That one was, uh, that, that one was fun to make. And it was just, you know, I, I think, uh, NASCAR fans were a passionate bunch, but we also tend to be very cynical, you know, especially on Twitter. That's, that's just a breeding ground for some of the most cynical and some of the worst takes I've ever seen in my life. But, um, yeah, you know, you're right about that. <laughs> <laughs> or I guess X now, but, um, you know, I, t- I just took some time to think about, you know, NASCAR's made a lot of, you know, interesting, I'll say decisions over the years, but 
you know, recently I was just thinking about it and I was like, man, there's been a lot of new stuff, like a lot of cool things that have come to the sport. And, um, Chicago was the big thing that made me think about that. Um, and so that's where the inspiration for that video came from was just kind of wanting to take it from a different angle because, you know, as much as I can be, you know, I can criticize, you know, NASCAR's officials or Stuart Haas's performance as of late. I also, you know, I still love the sport and I still think there's a lot to appreciate about it. And so that was me kind of trying to, you know, go the other way and try and capture what's been so great about the sport recently. Yeah. And NASCAR, I feel is really on a, you know, it's, I, I think Eric said this in his video the other day and I, I agree with him, but you know, it's like for the first time, you know, it, it really feels like that NASCAR is, is on the up and up in, in a lot of ways. Um, you know, obviously, you know, not perfect, obviously not a perfect sport, but it, it's really kind of on, on the up and up. And, and, you know, I, the, the content creators that help create some buzz around the sport are really a, a, a big part of that. And do you, do you ever think about yourself as someone who's kind of a part of helping the sport grow and helping the sport kind of reach a new audience? Because I mean, you know, you're, you know, let's, let's face it, you and I are a part of that 18 to 25 demographic and, you know, we're, you know, that's a demographic NASCAR doesn't reach very well at the moment. And, and so for you, what is that like to kind of be somebody that kind of helps NASCAR reach that demographic in a way that other people can't? It's uh, it's very humbling for sure. Just, I don't know. I get very excited just thinking about that idea. Cause you know, I always just idolized NASCAR. I never really thought about being a, uh, you know, contributor to it in any way, but that, you know, it's a, it's a good thought. And um, I, I think it is, you know, content creators can be very, very important. Like I said, accessibility is so freaking important. Um, and, and just, you know, cause every sport seems to have these kinds of people. And I, you know, I got into the nuggets went on their championship run. I got into basketball big time and I've been watching Jimmy high rollers videos. Um, you know, I've been a pretty big hockey fan most of my life and I've gotten into some of those video essays and stuff. Every sport has these people that, you know, cover it in a way that everybody can access and most everyone can understand. And, um, that's kind of the dem that's what I'm trying to go for with, uh, my NASCAR videos. And it all, I think the biggest thing is that, uh, well, I guess a telling sign of that is, um, some of my haters guide videos, because that takes full inspiration from urinating tree who does, you know, literally every sport, but NASCAR. And I just thought about like, what if there were these videos? I love these videos, but what if they did them for NASCAR? Well, I guess we're doing that next. Um, it's just this big, uh, in my opinion, a big, you know, gaping hole where that's where content creators need to start making stuff and fill in that, um, you know, fill that demand for, uh, this style of content, I guess. Yeah. And, and kind of being that, you know, I mean, NASCAR needs a lot of those people in order to, to, to grow, because I mean, the way that people consume media or consume content is, is just, it's different now than it was, you know, 20, 30 years ago. I mean, it's just, oh, yeah. it's a completely different, completely different world. And and there's truly is a place for kind of, you know, people like that. So, you know, I know Connor has, we're talking about this, you know, you mentioned how you're in film school, but you're also working at NASCAR. You mentioned how you, you never really thought about being a contributor to NASCAR. So, you know, you, you know, what were kind of some of your aspirations that you had that you kind of still have in life that you kind of want to do with this YouTube channel and also with your degree you're trying to earn in film. With the, I think the cool thing about the YouTube channel is that I never really had any expectations. You know, I was just kind of shoot for the moon and hope something works out. And, uh, just the way it's all come together this past year, it is really, it's just been amazing. I mean, it, you know, to get 
that kind of support. And, you know, even see like, you know, I've gotten some comments from like, uh, the iceberg and black flags matter. And, uh, the biggest one was probably, uh, Gino with Affleck cup series. Cause you know, I watched his videos when I was young, young, young. Um, and to see them say, you know, not just that they love my stuff, but also that, you know, they know I've been around for a while and they're good. You know, it's good to see that I'm getting this support. That's, you, you can't put a price on that. That is such amazing support. Um, as far as my career goes, I would still, you know, that's never really changed. I would still love to, uh, be a part of the sport in some way, get to do marketing or social media or something like that, because, um, you know, YouTube's great and it's been great for publicity and to make, you know, great to make ends meet. But, um, there is still that other side to it that is more professional and actually involved in the sport and actually gets to go to the races every weekend. Um, and that's the part that I'm still aiming for with, uh, you know, getting, going to film school and college. And, uh, then after I have a, a plan to possibly do an internship program, um, with a couple other famous sports teams in, uh, Colorado, the abs and nuggets. Um, I'd love to do that. I don't know if that's going to work out, but, uh, you know, that's kind of the, the goal right now, because I think that would be a great springboard into actually, you know, getting into NASCAR, getting into sports marketing and stuff like that. So, uh, the, the goal hasn't really changed big picture. Like I, I thought, you know, YouTube would be a game changer if it ever worked out and it has been, but overall I'm still aiming to be an actual part of the sport. Cause it just, that'd be a dream come true. And, you know, I, I'll flatter you a little bit more because when I, when I interviewed black flags matter for this podcast, he told me, um, one of the, uh, one of the first people out of his mouth that to, to, to suggested that I talked to was you. So oh. trust me, there's a lot, there's a lot of that. And there's, there's a lot of definite, you know, respect out there for you and, and for the work that you do. And so, you know, you, you said you have that goal kind of going into like the marketing side of NASCAR and kind of, kind of a lot of those things. What is it about that side of the sport that really um, intrigues you? The mar- the marketing aspect of it. I think it's for the same reason that any marketing in any sport intrigues me is that it is literally, in my opinion, you know, how that sport is viewed and how it's so popular. That is marketing is everything. It is so important. Um, I mean, just look at, you know, if they really wanted to, they could run every race car completely blank with no colors and just a number on it, but they can't because marketing is so important to the sport. You need those sponsorships. NASCAR could, uh, you know, they could do broadcasts that are a lot like uh, golf and just have, you know, complete silence through most of it and just hoping you pick up on what's being put down. But marketing is so important. You need to market the sport as something thrilling, as something exciting. You need people to understand what's happening. Um, it is just so integral to how it gets presented, how it gets viewed. And um, again, when I talk about NASCAR and sponsorships and stuff like that, I think that's the biggest thing that sets it apart from other sports is that, you know, other sports, they wear their own team colors, but the literal team colors of this sport are based on what sponsor you have. And that is so, it's just so intriguing to me because, um, you know, most, I remember when the NBA started putting sponsorships on their jerseys and the NHL has started doing it as well. They put sponsorships on their helmets. People went absolutely crazy. They're like, no, 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 we can't have this. This is terrible. And meanwhile, I look at, you know, racing and, you know, we literally live and die by putting logos on stuff. Um, so it's just this really, it's always been really interesting to me, you know, how the sport gets presented. Um, because, you know, it, it, when you go to like a short track or something, you know, it's just racing. It's, it's, it's great. You know, you love racing, but um, it, it's not very flashy. It's usually just, I mean, I went to Colorado National Speedway about a month ago and it was fun, um, but I don't know a lot of the drivers. Not a lot of them had sponsors. 
Um, the announcer was kind of quiet. Couldn't really hear him very well. And there was one car that just ran away with the race. You know, um, I think NASCAR is in this interesting place where it is so popular. It's not popular enough that it can be like the premier sport of the world, like formula one can, but it is popular enough that it still gets these incredible brand deals. It gets these incredible people working on like, you know, lefty designs, some of the stuff he's been working on with like 3d modeling and you know, he's done the, he did the bumper at the end of the, you know, NASCAR broadcast. That is remarkable. They look incredible. And it's crazy that we get these kinds of creators, you know, we get their hands on the sport. Um, and so that's, that's just the incredibly intriguing part to me is that you get all these talented people to come together um, and find new ways to, you know, advertise the sport, whether that's through advertisements, whether that's through sponsorships, graphic design, you know, the actual broadcasts, you know, at the track where you have merchandise being sold. And I, I don't know, I could go on forever and ever. It's just very intriguing to me the way the sport gets presented. It's very different from how other sports are. I mean, I heard Mike Joy when he was on the Dale Jr. Download, uh, I think it was about a year ago, a year or two ago. Um, he, he talked about how, like, when you describe a car, you know, you describe, like he said, like whenever you, you describe Dale Earnhardt driving down the track, you say that good wrench Chevrolet. Nowadays, you, you talk about Joey Logano, you say the Pennzoil Ford, or you say the FedEx Toyota for Denny Hamlin, all that sort of stuff. You're right. I mean, I mean, marketing is such a huge kind of part of the sport. And, you know, I, I think that marketing is kind of changing in a lot of ways in this kind of transforming media market. So, with with you wanting to go into this marketing side, you know, does you know, how does this YouTube channel you mentioned how you feel that it helps set you apart? How does this help set you apart in that aspect, in that marketing side of the sport that you want to get into? Well, I think, you know, college is a great way to get experience and it's a great way to have a degree that basically says, hey, I know my shit. But one thing, you know, and I, I knew I think it put a lot of pressure on me or I guess, you know, I put a lot of pressure on myself. Um, was that I realized that, you know, college is great. I know a lot of great people. I've gotten a lot of great help and worked on some cool projects, but it's not going to set me apart from the thousands of other people who have the same degree, know the same stuff that I do. Um, YouTube provided this opportunity where I could not only get experience and not only show that, you know, I more or less know my shit, but it could also, you know, it gives you, I guess, uh, um, influence, you know, it gives you an entire legion of people saying, yeah, I like this guy's stuff, you know, entire, you know, subset of people who say, yeah, I, I like this guy has some good stuff. He can make some cool stuff for you. And, uh, and then also, you know, financially, like that's a big part of it is that I've been able to start leaning on YouTube more than I ever have before. Um, at this point, it's basically my job. And, uh, that <laughs> it, it really does feel good to say, cause I, I wanted that for so long and it, it took so long to get to. Um, I just think those few things, the influence and the, you know, financial potential, even if it's not, you know, they don't, I don't get paid a ton, but it's still enough that I want to chase it because it does set me apart. I think from, you know, those other people who pretty much only have a degree. Yeah. And that's a huge part just kind of in general. And, and I think, you know, you, you talk marketing in the sport and that sort of stuff. That's that's a huge part of being successful in this area is you have to find a way to make a brand of yourself. That's a little bit different. That's unique. And, and, you know, if, if you're just the same guy or, or doing the same stuff, other people are doing, you're, you're going to have a hard time finding traction because, you know, you're, you're not going to have that, 
you're not going to be able to set yourself apart and in, yeah. in that way. So, you know, through your videos, you know, and I think, you know, you find unique ways to just kind of set yourself apart. I feel in your videos too, just kind of like, you know, your personality, I think really is, is what stands out, but you know, what, what is it that you try to do actively on your own to, to stand out in your YouTube videos, to make yourself unique and, and kind of set yourself apart, you know, and again, it's not that, you know, you hate other NASCAR YouTubers. I'm not insinuating that, but like, you know, how do you try to set yourself apart from them to make your content seem different from them? I think it's like you said, personality. Um, you know, I don't, I don't personally think I have the most glowing personality, but if I can translate that in a video, um, I, I think that's a big deal because, uh, you know, I don't watch, you know, slap shoes. Okay. He has some good jokes in his videos. That's I, I love his, uh, when he did his, uh, alignment chart for all the NASCAR drivers, there was a lot of personality in that video. And I love that one. Um, and also, you know, going back to urinating tree, that dude is nothing but personality. He is just constantly screaming constantly. You know, it's never, this is my, you know, this is what happened on this day, you know, with this team, it's always, this guy sucks or this guy is like, you know, the second coming of Christ. Like he displays so much personality in his videos. I mean, so that's what I've kind of tried to do. And, you know, it, there it's hard. I mean, it really is hard. I don't think people give enough credit to how hard it is to exude personality, especially like, you know, when I worked on the Daryl Waltrip video, when I was just covering his history, basically. And, and, you know, it's a video about Daryl Waltrip. I mean, that, that should have plenty of personality, but there was a point where I kind of felt like I was just, you know, naming off dates and naming off events and kind of spewing facts and stuff. And it didn't feel as good. It just didn't feel as natural. So it, it is very hard to exude that kind of personality. So, you know, when, when someone seems kind of stoic in their video, not really, you know, saying much from their own heart, just know that it is very difficult because, you know, any, anybody can read off stats, but to make those stats interactive and engaging, that's, that's tough. Yeah, you're right. That's, that's really where, what it all boils down to, because, you know, if all you're doing is, is reading off an encyclopedia, I mean, people are going to get bored of that really quickly, but if you're able to find a way to, to give people their content in kind of some unique ways, that's really kind of, kind of what you, what you try to do. I mean, I think I've heard this is guy has nothing to do with NASCAR, but I think that this guy's description is perfect. Mark Rober, the way he does his YouTube videos, he says that he, he describes it as he said, Velociraptor hunting patterns, basically and he patterns it off of like Jurassic park where basically, you know, he hooks you in with something really cool. And then when he least expects it, bang, you know, he gives you some education in some way, shape or form. And, and, and that's something that can be tough to do because I mean, it's just, it takes a lot of bravery to put yourself in front of a camera and to be able to be your authentic self and to not try to fit into a mold because, you know, I mean, you know, you, you, you've watched people on YouTube for so long and you feel like that they're, that that's the way that you've got to do it. But in reality, you know, people can see right through if you're being insincere or if you're not, or, or if you're not letting your personality shine, if you're not being yourself, then, you know, you're, you're just flat out not going to get a whole lot of views because you're it's, it's, it's inauthentic. Um, yeah. And so that's it. That's a huge part of, of being successful. Yeah. It goes back to, you know, Again, I've never seen anybody successful who's doing the same thing as somebody else. You know, you have to be different and you have to, and like you said, be authentic. That's another big thing. You cannot just carbon copy somebody else's stick and try and do it yourself. It's about being yourself, you know, as corny as that sounds to say, um, it's about being your own, your own creator and, uh, trying to go your own way. 
You're right. It's about going your own way and it's about kind of doing a lot of your own things. That's really what being a content creator is really all about. And it's all about just kind of finding your own your own landscape. And as we said, you know, there's no real blueprint for how to be successful on the internet. Everyone has their own style, their own way that they're kind of doing it. And I think for me, that's the biggest thing I'm learning, you know, doing this this podcast, Next Gen Creators, is is I'm learning just the fact that there's so many different ways that you can find a way to be successful on the internet. And, you know, I mean, there are a million different ways that you can be successful that people just haven't tried yet or just haven't don't have the ability to try it yet. And 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 it's going to be interesting to see over the next next 10, 20 years how the Internet's going to change and how people are going to change and set in, in a lot of those senses and and try to make some of those things happen. So, you know, Con- Connor, let me let me ask you as we kind of talk. We've talked a lot about personality, talked about your YouTube channel. You mentioned some videos that you um that were very popular for you. Do you have a favorite video that you have done during your entire time as a YouTuber? Oh man, that's hard. Um, It's funny because I have a lot of, a good amount of videos that have crossed the hundred thousand threshold, but honestly, none of those videos quite hold a candle to some of my least popular ones actually. Um, Cause you know, there were a few of them that on a personal level just mean the world to me. Um, the entire nano speed cup series, that was a, a stop motion series that I always, it was honestly one of my first actual, you know, decently successful series. The problem was I was a kid, didn't have any motivation and couldn't finish it. So when I eventually came back to it, like five years later after high school and actually completed it, that was, you know, that was really cool for me on a personal level. And then, um, the Hooters 500 stop motion, that one took three months and it was, it was a lot of genuinely hard work because it could have taken four months but i just crammed it out as fast as i could and uh that that video i know how much that race the 1992 hooters 500 i know how much that race means to nascar fans it's one of the most pivotal moments in the sports history um and so you know to remake that and kind of recapture that um you know it's not a very popular video but man it it was a big deal to me and then another one from last year innovate 78 that whole opportunity was just an absolute dream for me to get to, you know, here's my childhood fate. Well, one of my favorite NASCAR teams, definitely, you know, of all my NASCAR teams that I like easily, my favorite of all furniture row racing, getting to work with them, getting to capture this incredible technology um, that could mean so much for the future and, you know, getting to do it my way. I mean, it was literally my film. Um, They were, paying me to be there and they had their own notes and stuff, but I was the creator, man. And it was, you know, again, it's not the most popular video, but it just that opportunity and getting to be there for those three days just meant the absolute world to me. You know, that's, that's really what's interesting a lot of times about YouTubers, as you mentioned, is that sometimes, you know, the most popular videos aren't always the ones that, that mean the most to you. Sometimes, you know, everything kind of has its own, you know, I mean, every content creator has a story, but every video really has a story in, in a lot of ways. And a lot of them are a culmination of of, of a lot of hard work and a lot of uh, things that you have to learn to be able to get to that point. Every every video has a story behind in terms of how it was prepared. Some stories are more fun to tell than others. But, you know, you 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 kind of just hit on it here. You know, a lot of these videos that just are big milestones for you that that mean a lot to you personally. And, and honestly, I think that a lot of those stories, I think probably I'm. I'm sure you'd agree with me on this. They they help keep you going in a lot of ways. Big time. 
big time. It's, it's really motivating. I mean, it's cause you know, if, if the goal was primary, if the goal was just to get views, make money, all that stuff, then yeah, those videos wouldn't even be close to the top of the party list. But, um, I, I've grown to really appreciate my craft and just love doing it. Um, because I've noticed, you know, I noticed over the years that, you know, some people, they go into this line of work and you know, it's their job. So they do it seven, eight hours a day, and then they come home and relax. Well, this is what I do when I relax. This is what I do after those seven, eight hour days. You know, I come home and do this. And, um, you know, that's what, those are the kinds of videos that really helped me appreciate what I'm doing and made me realize why it is so, you know, it's worth doing and why it is just so special. You know, it's a very special line of work to get to, uh, you know, be a part of. So. You're right. It's a very special line of work to be a part of. And it's a very, you know, and it's a line of work that, you know, I mean, it, it takes a lot of hard work to get there. I mean, you know, you're, you're evidence of that. I mean, it takes a lot of, uh, it takes a lot of learning. It takes a lot of hard work. It takes some advice. And honestly, it just takes some trial and error in order to get there in order to be successful on this platform. But, you know, you're, you're kind of, you know, you know, you're, you're, you're starting to, to, to find some real success on YouTube. And I'm sure that that's uh, very gratifying for you in a lot of ways. Big time. And another virtue, patience, just patience, patience, patience. Cause you know, there's some people that will get on YouTube and their first video will hit the algorithm and they will get a million views. And that's just how some, that's how it goes sometimes. And so, you know, but most people that I think that's what a lot of people expect when they start on YouTube. I know I did. Um, and it was to a point where I remember when I was younger, when I got one subscriber, I think, I think it was Dylan Merway. He's, he's always been a big supporter of my channel. And I wanted to make a whole video dedicated to him because I was so thankful for that one subscriber because it just it, it does take, you know, for some people, it's, you know, they're going to get gazillion views on just a couple videos. And for other people, it's going to take a long time um, as somebody who worked on stop motions. You know, I know the virtue of patience. I know how much it can help you get through these kinds of things. Um, and so for some people, that's, you know, that's, that's just a big thing is just having the patience and, you know, having the the. I guess being able to still see it through. Cause even if it takes a long time, you know, sometimes there is still light waiting at the end of the tunnel. You just got to go reach it. And that's the biggest piece of advice you'd give to someone aspiring to be a YouTuber in NASCAR in general is, is, is patience. I would assume. Correct. Oh, big time. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Well, I mean, patience is big and obviously, you know, the success you've had on YouTube and, and, and finding your way in, in NASCAR YouTube through some unique ways and also learning a lot of lessons along the way is, is, is uh, what's what's happened for you, Connor. And uh, Connor, thank you so very much for joining us here on this episode of Next Gen Creators. Well, thank you okay. so much for having me and thank you to all the people listening. This has been a lot of fun. Absolutely. It was a ton of fun. Thank you so very much once again. Connor Hudson of Ellie Productions on Next Gen Creators. Thank you so very much to Connor Hudson, a.k.a. Ellie Productions, for joining us on Next Gen Creators, the Daily Downforce podcast, where we highlight the next generation of NASCAR content creators. Be sure to let us know what other content creators you would like to have here on this podcast. This one was a lot of fun here with Connor, talking a lot about, uh, you know, just his story, uh, his background in film and coming uh from an area that's not really a big NASCAR uh, town, not really a big NASCAR area, 
We're also talking about what it takes to be a successful YouTuber and a lot of the stuff that he had to do, the lessons he had to learn as he worked to become a successful NASCAR YouTuber. And if you want to be a YouTuber, I would suggest take a lot of these things that he says to heart. Thank you so very much again for tuning into this episode of Next Gen Creators with Ellie Productions. We will have another episode coming out for you in just a couple of weeks. Once again, this is Joshua Lepowski signing off for now for Next Gen Creators.